Okay, back at it. One more time. Well, one more time for now. We'll get back to it again. Here we are. Rumors of confabulation. Um, Isaac is speaking here. We still got the same crew as right. usual. Yep. Uh, Dalton is up there. The huge. John is here as well. Voila. Voila. And let's get it rolling. This We're going to start our spiritual fall. <laughs> That's now, our... now, 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 I was just picturing that from a different connotation yeah. of the time period. When did I go through my spiritual <laughs> fall? Our descent. Yeah. Our descent. In... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a double meaning. I like and it, we, We're going to start off with uh, Bang. We're going to go with, we have a series. I'm not sure yet if we're going to do a two-part or a three-part series on this. Four. Um, probably a two-part, but it could maybe stretch out into a three. We'll find out. But we are talking today a man um, that I'm not sure how I don't didn't know about him um, before I started doing research on him. man by the name of William Dudley Pelly, otherwise known as the Star-Spangled Fascist. <laughs> so not Pele, Pelly. 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 Sorry. So um, I say, um, let's just dive right in. Do I like it. that idea. You guys ready? Balls deep. There we go. It's this is going to be a probing. Yeah, get over here, William. <laughs> Radio yourselves. This one's not for kids. So, whoa, it's a lot of dead babies. She was shocked and dismayed. I was very dismayed. Um, someone tried to shoot me. What? <laughs> it's not a saloon! Dick managed to have his glory. I don't blow bubbles. I like our crime. What the fuck did we just do? <laughs> this is Confabulation. So, born in the coastal town of Lynn, Massachusetts. It's in between Boston and Salem. Salem, yep. Massachusetts. Massachusetts. It's in that little swampy area you drive through and there's not a yeah. lot of... What is that... Essex? I think it's still Essex County. Let me pull is up it? Google Earth just because, you know, I'm not going to be satisfied until I look at it. I remember riding the train through there because you ride it Boston and then Lynn and Salem. Oh, okay. But. So he was born on March 12th, 1890 to some proud Methodists, William George Apsey. Or wait. Yeah. William George Apsey Pelly and Grace Pelly. Sorry. Weird names. Essex County was correct. Nice. So William was deeply absorbed by his religious New England background and looked up to his minister father, William being William Dudley. So I'm going to prep you guys now. There's a lot of Williams. Mm, there always are. <laughs> Remind me the time frame again. 1890. Okay. So as Pelly would uh, say of his father, he took a vast amount of pride in the assumption that the tribe of Pelly could trace <laughs> its genealogy back in an unbroken line to one Sir John Pelly, knighted sponsored by good Queen Elizabeth. His ancestors first settled in Newfoundland before coming to America in 1875. So they're not new to North America, but new to the United States. They made this change because Pelly's grandfather, Frederick William, mm-hmm. his uh, grandma's name, by the way, was William. Mahala. Oh. His grandmother's <laughs> name was Mahala. Is that what you said? Mahala. Mahalo. Mahala. Don't know how that word 
Yeah, I don't know where that came from. But um, Frederick William, his grandfather, became a watertight boot manufacturer <laughs> and saw that Lynn, <laughs> Massachusetts, was a city built upon cobblers. So, perfect. Yep. Yep. I mean, there you go, and it's a swampy area. So, I mean, ain't nobody walking you, around in their galoshes. Exactly. Lynn, Massachusetts well, led the nation in leaky-ass boots. No more. <laughs> no, no, they're opposite of leaky No, no, that's why he the went ca- there. Capitalism is a process of errors and the solving of the error. Oh, Dalton's going back to... That's right. He saw the solving. Dalton's going back to his old right-wing character from like the first two episodes. He's back. <laughs> Capitalism. Tax the poor. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear a dress that says tax the poor on my ass. I was in the middle of a fucking drink, you asshole. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> well, um, I'm sorry to say, but this bout of capitalism did not work. Damn it. Um, but worry not, they found success in the real estate business. Uh, now his father, William G.A., became a pastor in the small town of East Templeton which is much further inland. But we're still talking and, Massachusetts, though, right? Yes. And this so was a couple of years. So still the Commonwealth, so that's why the capitalism isn't working. Yeah. Well, this was a couple years after William Dudley um, was born, and the congregation was tiny, super tiny, um, so tiny that the church went belly up. And <laughs> after just a year, so um, the family, though, did set up roots in East Templeton officially in 1895, where his father, Pelly's father, took up the old family trade of cobbling once again. So, clinking on those shoes and all cobble, that. Cobble, cobble. <laughs> the family was close to destitute at this point and stayed with an old woman at a Fairbanks farm. This was her farm. And it was here, though, that Pelly, William Dudley, was taught to read. It was also here that he was introduced to a thing called Was he politics. taught by the old lady? This dusty yeah. old farm yes. witch? Teaching him so how to he, read? So he got politics from this old woman. Oh, boy. He, no. He actually got politics from his father. So a group of boys at school demanded to know of the young Dudley. They demanded to know America's ever-present question. Do you support William McKinley or William Jennings Bryan? Damn. I mean, come you on. Know, Who hasn't been asked that think, in elementary school? I think school? The, the outcome of that election has defined every American life since then. <laughs> well, this Pelly, American life. <laughs> yeah, that's a show. <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see the reaction. Uh, <laughs> so, Pelly, unsure of what was going on, um, asked his father at home who told him that they are Republicans and thus support McKinley. Mm-hmm. Dumbass. And this was still back in the day before the flip-flop, right? Yeah. Yeah, because this is 1895. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, a long, okay. it's a process, but... It's right yeah, before. Yeah, it's right before. Actually. Because, yeah, the progressive presidents were Democrats. And he's like... After well, World War no. I. He's got to put yeah, down. He's got to put down his his bottle of Jim Beam and say, "This is a McKinley household, you son of a bitch." <laughs> it's the most insulting question. Did you not see the sign out front, limp dick? McKinley he household. Just learned how to read. 
<laughs> I don't know how to read, Papa. His father's just like the, the, the biggest McKinley fan, and his dumbass kid doesn't even know. <laughs> it's definitely different from the day, then. Yeah. Uh. East Templeton seems to have had quite the effect on the young Pelly, mm-hmm. as he described it as the perfect, I- the perfect ideal of New England existence. No, it's not. No one else. And thinks even that. had, well, Mister Pelly had his first mystical experience here. Because mm-hmm. remember, this is our spiritual fall. Yeah. He he claims that he was sitting on a small hill behind his parents' home on the farm, contemplating human existence, as all children do. When suddenly a corner of the veil of eternal mortality was flashingly lifted. And what he saw led him to believe in reincarnation. Not really sure. He's very vague on this whole thing. You know. He's five, by the way. I'm trying to... How would you even... I want five a five-year-old's take on... Like, five years old. I've just got to the point I can understand kind of what they're going on. But, like, it's just like, at five, holy motherfuck. Like, I mean, maybe if you're coming up in it, but... He's not. I mean, they're Methodists. No, no. I mean, you got a child's <laughs> mind to be able to think about. It. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, I just don't know where he got it. Fucking stupid at all. I don't know where he. I'm expected I mean, I to believe he, that this little guy was sitting there having a an existential moment. I think that's more what I'm thinking of. It. It's just like maybe he said when that he, he was made five. this up later. Yeah. 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 Because I think that's what happened. Because this isn't. There's going to be some things that are very similar to like Edgar Casey in this story. Um, you know, my favorite mystic, but they he doesn't have the childhood at all of Edgar of, Casey. Yeah, okay. He see. doesn't have this, you know, this uh reputation from the get-go as being this the weird kid mm-hmm. around, you know, and just he has a different reputation as being a weird kid, but he didn't I have the it, it's very He different. didn't have the same rocket-like ascension to fame. Yeah. To strangehood. Mm-hmm. So, in 1896, Pelly's father once again relocated, this time to West Gardner, and began work as a reporter and advertising solicitor for the Gardner Journal. This would prove to be incredibly influential for the young boy as he spent much of his time in the print shop with his father and would come to love the newspaper business. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah, this is really... Um, what he kind of began his calling in life as far as uh, professionally mm-hmm. was from his father in the newspaper. And they ran like um, the most brutal tabloid magazine uh, at the time, but they they really were bonding as father and son. Just slandered William Jennings yeah. Bryan. Keep it going, kid. <laughs> <laughs> his father, though, actually hated it, which is another thing. He hated his job? Yeah, he, fa- he hated being a reporter, but his... Kid loved the fact that his father was a reporter huh. and loved being in the print shop. How do you continue being a reporter and hate it? I mean, I mean, he I'm, hated it. I know we live in the job market it. we do now, but like he back did, then, he didn't, well, he didn't go for it very long. Okay, okay, that makes no. sense. That I was going to say, so, just fucking up and go, bro. Yeah, no, they eventually actually started because he eventually quit, and they actually started an auction house. Which this is actually the best time financially as up to this young child's life for his family. And uh, they were able to set, settle in some roots. Um, but this was all ruined to the small boy's mind, at least, when the new century hit, 1900. Mm-hmm. The Pellies you see are a spiteful bunch. Yep. 
They left West Gardner in 1900 due to an influx of Polacks. Oh, boy. Oh. Okay. And keep in mind, by the way, that they have only been in the United States since 1875. Yeah. So, But that's like years. the entire history of America. It's just... Somebody that just got there hating a group that just got there behind him. And it's just like, you bastards, don't you understand? Well, they packed up and moved to Springfield, Massachusetts. There seems Not to that be far a... away. No, it's not. Less <laughs> well, I mean, anywhere in Massachusetts isn't going to be that far away. Uh, Eastern Massachusetts, or Western Massachusetts is pretty decent. Well, that's where they were in East Templeton was Western okay. Massachusetts. Um, but there seems to be an ever-present hatred for immigrants here. Mm-hmm. He once called immigrants alien locusts in human form. Wow. Uh, well, at least you know the terminology is stayed about the same because these hateful people can't like think of new words like the rest of us. Uh, at least he and said, just really you know, in human form. So he's saying at least they like <laughs> look oh, like yeah. people. He, they are human. He he he, he at least kind recognizes that part. He's not like now where they think they're just animals. Yeah, I mean, I still fuck them. Well, get me wrong. Um. William Dudley Pelly would later in life muse that went over on how his the, head. the dud. Would later <laughs> in life, muse on how the turning of the century, in particular, was a turning point in his life and for America, <sighs> saying, "And I quote: the spawn and scum of renegade immigration with no character and less stamina now flaunts it before young America that war is brutal and inhuman." That we must boycott militarism, that all men should be brothers, and are expanding their subtle villainies to overthrow, subvert, or emasculate the American tradition. Nice. Emasculate the American tradition. That sounds That's like what s- immigrants are doing, yeah. They're emasculating it. <laughs> what? The rhetoric doesn't change. It's just, fuck. You know what I've Don't really change. started to notice with, like, narcissist types, a lot of these historical figures, there's, like, a specific day that they're like, and that was when mm-hmm. it all started for me, and everybody took yeah. notice. When they Even got, if it's just some day that... That's that's why the term, when I got red-pilled or when I got yeah. black-pilled started. It's yeah. like the self-mythology just... of, like, it, this was a moment in time. You'll find out he is huge into dates mm-hmm. and into like a sp- this special moment. Yeah, you know it's that a weird obsession. Like you could just yeah, pick he, any day and just bullshit. Some that's that's the day right there. We'll get to this okay. a little bit in a moment. Okay. <laughs> so at the age of twelve, William Dudley got his own little printing machine, Ugh. and that was it. Was first used to make business cards for his dad. Um, but eventually it came to be used to make his own little newspaper <laughs> called the Junior oh, this Star. Is so lame. <laughs> this is just <laughs> what a waste of but his it's father's much more money. Useful. It's much more useful than the toys like we got in ch- children when they're just like, oh, here's your little play grocery store. And it's like you just scan like even a gift, Even a gift in those times was still child labor. I mean, geez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> well, stylistically, Everything that was in the Junior Star reflected the publications of a man named Elbert Hubbard. Don't know if anybody's familiar. Nope. But he mostly went on the attack with heavy-handed social commentary and humor, Mm -hmm. if you can call it really humor. So this would eventually result in William Dudley getting his nose broken by a boy named Philip Taft after an article in the Junior Star making fun of 
Philip Taft's overly large mouth. What? This kid's a bully. (laughs) So this um, incident, along with his father's concern over an article about a teacher Mm. that Dudley Pelly had, led old Willie D to stop printing the Junior Star. History teacher of MILF. Check page two for details. (laughs) (laughs) So Pelly would pick it all back up, though, in high school when he started to print The Black Crow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great band. This did not last long, though, as they packed up, the whole family packed up one another time, and this time they actually ended up in Fulton, New York. I'm walking in. (laughs) William Dudley never went back to school He was just in early high school at this point And he instead went to work For a toilet paper company (laughs) Hey, what? (laughs) You said you wanted to be in the paper business, son (laughs) Well, this toilet paper company Made the guarantee That their roles added years to your life No, 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 we just went through this whole hot dog steak 36 second of your life fad that's going through now. Now you're telling me toilet paper adds years to what? There you go. So all them people that was hoarding shit last year. (laughs) They were just adding years. I I don't even understand what that could mean. (laughs) How could toilet papers add years to your life? The Europeans at least know millions. There you go. Like what you else? Have a clean bum. What else? Really? Seriously? T- assuming they're for real, what else related to wiping your ass could be fatal? Infection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I well, don't know. Yeah. All right. Um, oh. well, while William Dudley did not participate in any formal education after this point, he made a point of teaching himself. And he would read until he fell asleep. Every I do night. my own research on vaccines. I teach myself. <laughs> William Dudley Hello, did not Q. have many friends. <laughs> well, yeah, William Dudley did not have many friends, yeah. and he stayed away from most people after he had a love affair gone wrong with a Canadian woman named Mabel. No. How old is he now? I don't believe that. I don't know. I because we were just talking about him having a play school. Um, newspaper printing service, so I'm kind of... Well, he's in a high school, at least, past, like, it's mm-hmm. probably 16, at least. Okay, so older. I, but I don't know. Uh, Pelly did, however, get back to the printing game. Yeah. And started up a magazine called The Philosopher. Oh. Which was a religio-sociological publication. In this magazine, Pelly espoused ideas about child-rearing... Mm-hmm. Again, he's like 18 at this time. Let me tell you something. He said that children under the age of 10 should not see books so that they could focus their attention solely on physical culture. Keep in mind, this is the man who Uh, reads himself to sleep every night. He said reads himself to sleep every night. Yeah. He also proclaimed that he himself did not smoke, drink, eat unwholesome food, or frequent the lewdery of the theater. Mm, That ain't what I heard. Keep all of this in mind. Actually, this is important. The hypocrisy that's really going on in his life at this point. 
Well, I guess it's not at this point. You'll see. Sickness and mental disability, he stated, awaited those who violated the, quote, laws of health, chastity, and reason. So it's your fault you're mentally disabled, apparently. You know, it's all those mentally... Yeah. He's, uh, uh, yeah. So his views at this time very much went in line with New Thought beliefs. Are you guys familiar with New Thought? Refresh. Uh, I don't know. So New Thought is a variety of different views and religious structure. And with that, it, it's hard to actually define exactly what New Thought is because of that. Because it's kind of a hodgepodge of a lot of different things. But New Thought is a movement essentially that promoted healthy living, thinking, and a belief that evil is something that can be completely overcome. Just like mentally. And New Thought began in the United States in the early 1800s, but it does still persist today, actually. It's kind of the um, straight edge, people, um, honestly. Come on, CM Punk, get down here. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, also, they did also, though, believe, not having anything to do with the straight edge people, more religious side of things, they believe that God or an infinite intelligence is supreme, universal, and everlasting. Uh, divinity dwells within each person and that people are spiritual. Um, yeah. So, William Dudley Pelly's version of this was called the religion of laughter. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, in The Philosopher, Pelly highly criticized most churches for ignoring social issues regarding wealth inequality and denouncing the destructiveness of war. Wow. Which is good. And Pelly, laugh more. Well, <laughs> See, right here, he actually sounds pretty happy. And Pelly, while interested in utopian societies um, at this time, uh, Mm -mm. he, well, especially the ones that are based around Christian socialism. So he would have really liked rugby, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And the sport. I'm not sure if he ever did, but he would have really liked it. Um, He never fully went on completely on board with that mindset. Um, But his frequently used slogan in The Philosopher was, instead of lifting men from the gutter, Abolish the gutter. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, that's easier said than done. But thanks. Hey, instead of. Well, I mean, the gutter itself provides a purpose, so it's just kind of. Hey, like, man, mm. I got a slogan for you. Instead of telling people how to make their life better, why don't you make your life better? Word to the wise. <laughs> Thank you, William Dudley. The Dud. So. Pelly at this time would state that people of all races and religion should be able to benefit from this restructuring of things, but the foreign uneducated heathen mm-hmm. element would not be allowed to vote. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, he also said that the U.S. would mingle the blood of ten nationalities together to create an eleventh race that is mightier than all of them all. <laughs> the eleventh? Um, I want to know what the first ten Yeah. Were. How, how did I have ten? no idea. I... <laughs> But above all, though, Pelly believed in the strength of men, that people are themselves mm. God. Oh, I thought you Even meant at he this... was like, that, that guy can lift, man. I mean, he did say that children should put down the books and start pumping iron. Put put so. down your pussy ass Stephen King shit and get in that Bowflex. <laughs> he stated at this time, at this young age... That he saw a need for strong leaders. Yeah. With a quote saying, our second Christ will be a dictator. Oh, huh. So. He wrote the Left Behind novels is what you're telling me. (laughs) 
Uh, by the way, the um, TP company that he worked for was actually um, had some like his father was like uh, had partial ownership of. Mm. And his father lost control entirely of it in 1911. So he decided to go back to Springfield, Massachusetts and became a news writer for the Springfield Homestead. So he actually worked for a newspaper, an actual newspaper. And it was here that Pelly met a very important figure in his life, Marion Harriet Stone, a proofreader for the paper and apparent descendant of signers of the Mayflower Compact. Mm-hmm. This was very important to Those him. are real flags. Yeah. Uh, soon enough, the two were smitten and began a relationship. And then <laughs> even sooner, they got married. Do you love me for me or just my Mayflower relatives? <laughs> I thought you were going to leave it at just my Mayflower. <laughs> <laughs> well, they met in 1911 and got married in 1911. Mm. Pelly was moving up in the world, both personally and professionally, as he also accepted a job as the Western Massachusetts night editor for the Boston Globe. Damn. In 1912, Marion gave birth to daughter Harriet. Um, Things were really looking up for them. And then Mayor Frank A. Rivers of Chicopee contacted him with a rather strange offer. Rivers agreed to (laughs) give Pelly. I was thinking of he said his his, his strange offer was just blow me. (laughs) But I couldn't say it. That would be a rather strange (laughs) offer, yes. I couldn't get it out. I almost... Oh. All right. (laughs) Well, the actual rather strange offer was that Rivers would agree to give Pelly his own newspaper for the whole town, paid his own newspaper, if within this newspaper he campaigned for the mayor (laughs) to get reelected. Okay. Pelly accepted... And the biggest issue, though, for Rivers that Pelly would talk about was that he wanted to limit the number of saloons from 72, which is high, to 42, which is still high. <laughs> because it's a very, it's Chicopee. Yeah. Like, what's going on in Chicopee in 1912? I guess it's like some of them bars where you can have like 10 people in a piece, so they got to like spread yeah. them out. But. <laughs> Well, Pelly told him that, quote, a city of Polacks could get just as drunk in five saloons as 50. It simply meant that five would get ten times the business. I think he's dissing on vodka there versus everybody else drinking beer, so he's just like... There you go. Yeah, he he doesn't He's assuming they're drinking potatoes. How do they drink that fucking shit? Vodka. (laughs) Vodka. I've been listening to way too much Corpa Clowney lately, so that's all I can think of is Vodka. Uh, so you. that was his particular form of harassment. Oh, look who it is. Yeah. The Polacks. Bring in, br- b- pull out the vodka, bartender. Which, I by think the I way, know what you've only want. said Polacks this entire time. You should be like the Polish people. Well, yeah, I have to. I was going to say now at this point, I am incredibly pro Polish. It's one of the countries that I've actually been to is Poland. I love Poland. Love their culture, love their history. Love everything about is Polak an uh, offensive? I guess it is, right? Yes, kind it's a derogatory. Yeah. Now you yeah. just refer to people born in Poland as fools. Hey, <laughs> you piece of crap! Uh, oh Lord, I love you. Poland. That's one of those like racisms that is kind of forgotten about. You know, 
Oh, yeah. That was yeah. the entirety of World War II. I'm talking about in the U.S. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're well, right. now it's very accepted to make fun of Polish but people. But, like, there's sure a difference why. in being it's racist like, toward accepted. a Jewish person and being racist toward a Polish person. Yeah. It, oh, it's yeah. because the U.K. got hit heavy with Polish immigration with the EU stuff here, like, within the last few yeah, years. Yeah, but you, you have so much Polish immigration from New York and Chicago. Yes. They are filled same, with Polish same. descendants. Yeah. Soon, Pelly got tired of being a politician's puppet, and he moved to Vermont. Yeah. Uh, he was visited by his father right before this. And this is just a strange little tale that doesn't really fit into anything else, but it's just odd. Mm-hmm. His father visited him. His father asked Pelly to borrow money. And they had, he and he accepted, he gave him some money. They had a nice little evening discussion about the Watchtower Society. And then he, what? what? That rang a bell for some reason, and I don't know why. The Watchtower Society? Yeah. Look it up real quick. Okay, I'm sorry, but like, I know I just read something about that. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, he, his father then left for New York. Or so he said. Pelly's father was last seen in Wichita, Kansas, before his, before, quote, his trail wound into the mist <laughs> Watch so his father society. was seen in wichita kansas after this and then never seen again watchtower is a jehovah's witness thing that's why i remembered oh, it okay if so, it's it tracks okay <laughs> sorry i know i heard that recently i was like what the fuck man well this all started a dark time then in william dudley pelly's life as his daughter harriet passed from a sickness in 1914 um, this also left the family in debt because of the medical expenses from trying to treat their daughter. Um, but also in 1914, they had a daughter named Adelaide was born. So, uh, you know, um, in order to pay off these, in order to pay off these debts, though, Pelly was working at the local newspaper and began, began selling short stories, one of which was titled Little Son of a Gun. <laughs> these stories did surprisingly well and allowed the family to pay off their debts and even let him quit his job at the newspaper and just focus on short story writing. So Bill Pelly, as he is now being referred to, had never traveled further west than New York, and his he had stories about cowboys in Montana. Further west so the, than New York yeah. City? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, so New this York left, or New York New City? York, New York like, State. Okay. New York State, but still. But it's, um, but yeah, this, it's so his stories about Montana, you know, cowboys literally left a lot to be desired, mm-hmm. you know. And so Pelly decided to become basically the Faulkner to Vermont. Nobody asked you know, for Faulkner that. Nobody asked for that, Pelly. Mississippi, yeah. I'd love so to he, be the Faulkner Vermont. That's, that's funny. Shit, go up there and just chill, man. I'm the, I'm well, the Faulkner the Vermont. Big Green Mountain boy. He began writing exclusively about a fictionalized town called Paris, Vermont. Oh, that is very unoriginal. I mean, yeah, seriously. Paris was an idealized New England town and lifestyle where there were issues all around, but the mm-hmm. moral of the story was always based around camaraderie and the community coming together. Yep. And yeah, the villains were typically outsiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you just do a Dan Cummins Paris, Kentucky car dealer jingle? Okay, so during this time, Pelly took over a newspaper called the Caledonian in Vermont. While there, he made sure to tell his readers that he totally he is totally independent, 
He's I'm not, not a puppet. Backing any politicians anymore. He said the Caledonian. He is he of Scottish descent or is he? I don't know. It's a newspaper. Okay. So it's not his newspaper. Like he just he named took it, it over. That. Okay, okay. No, he took it over. It's a existing newspaper that he just started working at. I'm just clarifying. Sorry. So he, though, in this newspaper, uh, started revu- reviewing the newest motion pictures and theater. Great train robbery. He, Three stars. Remember how he called it literary in the past? Yes. Mm-hmm. During World War One, Pelly would refer to the Germans as Huns Bless. and make claims that the influenza epidemic that the U.S. was experiencing was sent to us by German secret agents and that Germany was the, quote, plague spot of Europe. Well, at least he acknowledged the influenza. Pelly especially hated communism and spoke a lot in his articles in a Vermont newspaper about the Bolshevik Revolution. Hmm. Um, He thought this was somehow a master plan by the Germans. And Pelly was soon offered a trip, though, around the same time frame that would forever alter his life. William Dudley Pelly was handed an opportunity to visit Asia as a representative of the Methodist Centenary Movement in 1918. <laughs> so, okay. So, William Dudley's on the move. <laughs> That's such a random trip. Like, who the it fuck really in Asia is. wants to see his ass? It's crazy. This trip is so just so strange. It's more so one of those things where they was, just want to drop him off and be like, you go over here and do this and do that. <laughs> Well, he had a high probability of uh, getting injured, honestly, from this. But his first stop was Japan. Uh, he didn't seem to care for Japan. Um, some aspects of their culture he got on board with, but considered their people to be, at best, half adults. He called Whoa! Them- oh, Japan, yeah. of all places. Like, oh, that's hilarious. He called them children from a rice paper nation. <laughs> And in 1918, he was quoted as saying, he, he was quoted as saying that the, what the Japanese needed most was a Herbert Hoover. What? Wow. Oh. He seemed to equate the entire Japanese people with that of like the Napoleon complex. Yeah. That because they were born, they were all on like this like small island. Compared to like China mm-hmm. and the rest of Asia, that uh-huh. they all were like puffed up and were like trying to be violent and like hit people and were like aggressive. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, oh, this is just barbarism. <laughs> and um, he did love, though, the Christian Japanese that he met. Of course. Loved them. And he felt that if the Christian Japanese took over, Japan could be in a position of not only global prominence, but a position of real major power he also said that japan um in while in japan he faced the and this is as he put it the worldwide jewish oh (sighs) so waiting for a ship to take him to russia from japan to russia pelly met an american surgeon who informed him that the jews had orchestrated the assassination of Franz Ferdinand so they could make profits off of war. Nice. Good This plan. is before the Russo-Japanese War, correct? Like, because that was like 30s, right? Um, well, the Japanese are actually, they are sending some troops into Russia. This is during the Bolshevik Revolution. Oh, okay. Let's say that. I'm getting yeah. confused. I've just listened to... But there is some Japanese support, um... 
going into Russia. Okay. And that is kind of where Peli was heading towards. Peli got to Vlad Vlad Vladivostok. 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 Yeah. Shit, I'm there. Too. Vladivostok. Vladivostok. In Guardian Leviosa. (laughs) (laughs) So this is in Siberia. And working along with the YMCA's Red Triangle. This is what he's doing, okay? The Red Triangle? It's kind of like the Red Cross. Okay, I was about to say, I mean, no, I don't mean this. Is that like a (laughs) sex thing? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) You got China, Russian, somebody else selling it. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's true. So he was told... uh, Well, North Korea is the other one you're looking for. But we're talking in the 1930s, so it's not anything yet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so he was told to take pictures of the conditions in the region and write reports for the YMCA. According to Pelly, he was a combination of a secretary, war correspondent, espionage agent, secret photographer, canteen proprietor, and consular courier, striving to plant mm-hmm. sanity, decency, and political stability no. in a land being slowly mutilated and mangled by communism. You were a secretary. Yeah. So, Pelly was attacking, quote, satanic Leninism. <laughs> That's a thing. So, I'm just all like, in all. Do I, put, do I put on my Tinder profile that I identify as a satanic Leninist? Or do I just not even get <laughs> yeah, into seriously, that? Yeah, seriously. Like, I want that now. Maybe that's like a third date kind of thing. <laughs> no, satanic Maoist or something. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Well, all in all, Pelly witnessed did witness the tragedies of war, and throughout it, he came away with two truths for him: one, that the Russian peasants were good people, yeah, and that nice all of, of the blame for this destruction should be placed squarely on Jewish <sighs> communists. Okay, all right, I'll give you that one. Next. Okay, his claim was that there was a world takeover plot by the Jewish people, and the Russian Revolution was only the first step. If communism took hold in America, war would sweep through the country. He painted this picture when he got back. He painted this whole picture of, like, what would Kansas look like in communist hands? Dude, <laughs> like, it was this That's weird funny that it would be Kansas, because there's a pretty well-known book called What's the Matter with Kansas? I've heard of it, but it's now like, I'm just it's like it's like no. how like right wing politics have pretty much fucked over Kansas and how it would have. They have since the fucking. Like, but that's why I thought like, it was funny that he ever since Kansas. bloody Kansas. Yeah, he, but yeah. yeah, but no. Now I'm thinking of Red Dawn, but in like nineteen like twenty nineteen thirty. That's the picture he's seriously <laughs> painting here. But people like him that have his views, they exist now, and they always are hoping the Red Dawn scenario happens. They act but they like always hope it happens in the it. middle of the they, country. They yeah. never... Yeah. It's just like... I'll yeah. be the hero when the Russians invade us. They're going to come to my bumfuck New Hampshire hamlet, and it's, it's up like, to me It's like, by the time the Russians friend. get to you, you're going to be fucked. Yeah. It's just like... <laughs> if they want to murk you, they will murk your ass. Go jerk off to Red Dawn. Sorry. <laughs> well, his... I want uh... that in the intro now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, his tour through Asia was cut short as he received word that his wife's brother had passed away. Yeah, yeah you're saying he's dead. I still haven't got Japan. to experience the sex tourism over here. <laughs> I get it that, uh, I mean, the sex tourism over here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there was a quite a bleak return trip. Oh. Um, Bill decided to turn one of his short stories that he had written into a full-length novel. It was a uh, short story called Their Mother, and he turned it into a story called The Greater Glory. The only reason I even bring this up, actually, really, is because um, the message of this book that came across to people is that the role of women was self-sacrifice and motherhood. Um, Pelly did support women's rights on several occasions through different articles and political stances, but he never gave up on the idea that women needed to be mothers and they needed to remember that they, they are best served to serve. He always he was like, I support you, honey, because his wife was a suffragist. So basically, like, I support you. I support you. But and now can you make me that? Dinner? So basically the Baptists and the Taliban all together there. He's basically a man in the era that he lived. Come on. Mm-hmm. We can't hold him to modern standards. Well, he was a, there. even mm-hmm. he just he just acted like he was an open minded guy to get pussy. He was come on. Well, this this brought up a lot of issues though in his marriage, and they actually were on the verge of divorce. Pelly decided to sell his newspaper, and he wired his uh his wife some money, and then he just took off for San Francisco. Uh oh, oh boy. He wasn't there for long, as he found out though that she was pregnant. But this trip did set the stage for kind of the occult to enter William Dudley Pelly's life. San Francisco, while there, he met a young woman that he only referred to as Lillian. She worked for a newspaper that he corresponded with. Lillian told Pelly that she wanted to work with him on a series of articles on the, quote, more romantic side of aviation. What the ever-loving hell. Yeah. And Pelly immediately agreed. I'd agree to that, that their too. Relationship, you got my well, attention. He claimed that their relationship was strictly platonic. But according to his descriptions, he really clearly had a thing for her. Mm-hmm. And Lillian expressed interest in not only aviation, but also in clairvoyance and spiritualism. Two Ooh. things that Pelly got on board with. She's got to be crazy hot. She's like the crazy, <laughs> wacko, hot girl. Well, this part of his life was still years in the making to really come into fruition, but this just set the seeds in place. Has he had another anything else with women since his love affair gone wrong when he was like five? I mean, he's married. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's married. Oh, to Mary. yeah. Duh. Sorry. And he has two. He has had two daughters. I guess you just a lot of these old people when you talk about their marriage, it's just like he met blank. They got married yeah, and had I children. Mean, that's I really want to see the passion. The I have, yeah. Damn it. Well, he uh, then had a son, though, because mm. his wife yeah. was... Uh, shout out to Married Life, by the way. I, I have to give a good quote. I Actually, I haven't said that on the podcast. I am a married man. I think yeah, we did. did. Like two weeks ago during the thing, you said I came back from the Bahamas. I got married. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was in the intro of one of them. Well, I just want to say it again. Congratulations. We're going to be all happy for you now. You. Listeners, yeah. I'll go, woo! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank so you. Comment on that Instagram. She's amazing. Love her. No, don't comment on our Instagram. Send us money. We don't want to have you as a guest. We don't want you it'll, as fans. It'll, Send it'll, us hey, cash. It'll, be, it'll be better than having them flat earth people being like, hey, get on here. That's the main thing. But if he wants okay, to he donate, wants- you know, hit me with cash. I accept cash and I accept Cracker Barrel gift card. And I think my PayPal is in the description. Yeah, at, j- j- only reply to him and be like, hey, will you pay us some Cracker Broken? Yeah. 
My Instagram or my PayPal is at at Cracker Barrel Fan thirteen. So as I was saying, he had his wife had a son named William. Keeping the tradition, mm-hmm. William Ernest. Uh oh. He was born in September of nineteen twenty, and this did nothing to ease their marital issues that they were having. Pelly, back on the East Coast for the time being continued writing novels, and he is now writing movie scripts. Oh, no. He's a screenwriter, my friends. Pelly was already seeing some of his scripts turning into, like, small films at this point. None of them were catching any kind of notoriety at all, but it was a start. He It was while writing his scripts that his 11-year marriage to Marion finally completely ended. He had recently been employing a woman that he only called Beryl, that's it. And in, in assisting him with his work. Again, he spoke glowingly about her and clearly just adored her, but once again claimed to have had done nothing sexual with her. Pelly actually would later say that he took solace in knowing that he never cheated on Marion. She clearly thought that he had, though. And she moved to Brooklyn while he had a little apartment in Greenwich Village and also stayed a large amount of time in Hollywood. <laughs> at this point in time, he decided he is making it. He's official. He's a screenwriter. Yeah. So he's moving to Hollywood, but he decided to drive solo at least seven times across country from New York City to L.A. And he Wait, just, no. What, what, we're talking 20s, right? Yep. Yep. No, f- no it wasn't even it. a fucking road back then. He said he loved it. He loved it. He oh. said it gave him uh, inspiration on his uh, scripts, but what a maniac. Um, they don't really seem to You're reflect. You're still talking weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was he writing the he was writing the scripts for movies that were just like Thomas Edison, right? Like it's four seconds and a guy gets his mail and goes back in. I mean, yeah, so yeah. This so time, when you say he he's writing scripts, I mean, this is not. But don't worry, he he gets there. Right. Oh, silent me... film stuff where it's like, and then. But text. it was around this time. Yes, he wrote the script for Man Enters Elevator. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was around this time uh, in 1922 <clears throat> that Bill Pelly made the unfortunate mistake of swimming in the Pasumpsic River one July afternoon. Mm-mm. He got typhoid from jumping in the river because it's that disgusting. Pelly was delirious for nine weeks and Jesus. bedridden until October. Wow. He lost considerable weight and permanently lost his sense of smell. By this time, he was 5'6". That's how tall he was. Man. 135 pounds, which he never really regained his weight either. He stayed a small, small man. He's a twink. Had piercing blue eyes. He was prematurely graying. He sported a Van Dyke hairstyle. <laughs> and he had a perpetual cloud of smoke hanging around him because he gave up that vow of not smoking. And he was constantly smoking either a cigar, a cigarette, or a pipe. Mm-hmm. He was also partially deaf. John, I'm sorry if any of this is triggering to you. He's short, partially deaf. Ugly. He's taller than I am, lighter than I am, and... The only thing is, I really hope Swabs is still open now. I haven't been up there in two years. I want some pipe tobacco now. <laughs> okay, I was like, what? <laughs> the pipe is still up there in Laxton. <laughs> well, anyways, none of this stopped him from becoming a full-time screenwriter in Hollywood throughout the 1920s. 
Pelly had some success with movies such as The Light in the Dark and The Shock, both of these being Lon Chaney films. Lon Chaney Sr., by the way. Yes, Lon Chaney Sr., the um, actor extraordinaire. Yeah. Lon Chaney Jr. is closer to our time, and he was in movies in like the 40s, so... So, Pelly always had a distrust for Hollywood mm-hmm. and once referred to the people there as flesh pots. I think of a flesh pot <laughs> as like a hot girl. Isn't that something you would say about like no, I Google flesh pots? I'm almost positive that's something Playboy would use in their like work and they're like. That's the. Sounds, sounds disgusting. like a gross version of Honey Pot. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds awful. He did find another lady love in California. Her name was Helen. Uh, Pelly saw Helen in, quote, in the most beautiful feminine apparel, mm-hmm. the free-falling cape of a Red Cross nurse. Oh, my God. What a complete idiot. <laughs> and eventually, he got a house in the L.A. suburb of Altadena, which is up in the foothills mm-hmm. of the mountains. Hold on. Benito. Can I pause at a theory here? Yeah. Okay. So, he, he, he wanted to rip off Faulkner. Yeah. I think he's also got a Hemingway heart on because he named his son Ernest and now he's jerking off over the thought of being mm. with a nurse which is like a uh, theme in Hemingway's writing and his point. own life yeah, he has point. no original did, ideas no he doesn't really he rips off a lot of people even when as a child his uh, newspaper was ripping off ideas he rips off people constantly yeah and then turns them in like no this is my thing <laughs> I'm the nurse he does it guy constantly well, this home of his was, so, it's actually up on the like mountain circle, like up there, you know, that kind of like iconic where like celebrities and like the, from the twenties all the way through like the sixties and seventies, you know, live in LA, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of look, that's what he's got there. He's got a bungalow up in the mountains, basically. Nice. And the home was supposed to be a place that he could go to, to relax in, um, while he was working with the corrupt corrupt quote-unquote jewish hollywood but he couldn't stop himself from trying to make some more cash and he started up a real estate group which is called pelly company (laughs) but this new venture could not stop him from getting affected by what he saw as an attack on his writing style from the hollywood oh the worst kind of attack well, he withdrew into the mountain bungalow. Because, you see, <laughs> his work was all about that whole idealistic New England lifestyle. It never changed. Yeah. He never adopted, like, a new style. He his All of his stuff, except, like, some of his stuff, I guess, was kind of, like, his movie work was... Um, just whatever he got hired to do. He was probably just, like, a yeah. for-hire His hack. movie work was a little different, but still, though, a lot of it was just, just, like uninspired he was basically described as being the like he makes successful movies that critics hate oh gotcha like that's the kind of movie he he makes those middle of the line you know it's gonna make money but it's not gonna inspire anyone to do anything you know yeah that's what he's got and that's an area you know yeah it's an area he's he's carved (laughs) out his own little niche he's very successful actually and it was at this moment, though, he withdrew into the mountain bungalow to get away from these attacks over his writing, and uh, he's <laughs> starting to get turned away for some scripts, uh, ideas, and things. And he decided, I'm going to ponder an important question. A question that had been simmering underneath the surface for years now for Pelly. The question is, what is 
race. Oh no. We're going here. Yeah. And we just asked what were the other ten races and previously we were so confused, but now it's like, oh no. We're here. So on May 28th, 1928, remember Dalton about the dates, how important this is to William Dudley Pilly? This is going to be a life-changing moment. A life-changing moment happens. So we're in 1928, so we're coming up on some shit. 1928. William Dudley Pelly went to bed early on May 28th, 1928, and dozed off while reading ethnological tracts. What? Yeah. As, you know, people just normally do, right? That sounds like some kind of phrenology type stuff there or something like... He's just reading some racist literature, that's all. I'm just saying, I'm not racist, but if you look at the skull shape... There's something no, it's to like that. it's like I've talked about before. This is when the KKK came back as an MLM, and yeah. they're like putting all kinds of shit out in the world. It's not like a race yeah. thing. It's just and paying for those militias biology. to go down to the border. That's how you. That's yeah, how you make that's the how argument. Trying to, yep. I'm sorry, you don't agree with science. I got the research here. And that's the kind of stuff he's reading. Yeah, I'm not saying one race is better than the other. It's just so he's like the 1930s Q. Some brains have Q. more capacity than others. And some brains may have a high capacity, but just be inherently evil. And so, and these uh, brains yeah. might also have good financial skills. Don't you just love that garbledy gook yeah. nonsense that led to so many deaths in this? I don't love it. I don't mm. like stuff that makes me grind my teeth. And just like, <laughs> I can feel my feelings starting to crack. Yeah. I was like, I've had it's, to have yeah. this motherfucker like replaced. I don't know how many times I'm sitting here going. Well, John... As William Dudley Pelly slept, he was awakened <gasps> in the early morning by an inner voice shouting, I'm dying! Pardon? Physically, he felt like he was having a heart attack, but the pain subsided as he describes himself quote, going down a mystic depth of cool blue space, not unlike the bottomless sinking sensation that attends the taking of ether for anesthetics. Pelly closed his eyes as he was, quote, whirling madly in this blue mist. <laughs> but soon, he felt hands holding him. When he opened his eyes, he saw himself lying naked on a marble slab with two men in white <laughs> uniforms standing over him. Uh, These two calmed Pelly and told him not to try seeing everything in the first seven minutes. And they showed him then to a reflecting pool in which he could bathe himself. One of the men introduced himself as, any guesses to his name? Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what you're John. wanting from me. Any guesses? Saladan Hasin. Not even close. His name is William. Oh, oh, that was too fucking easy. I thought he was in heaven and he was like naked, and these two angels were coming Isaac up to violate. I tried to foreshadow him. this at all the beginning of this, oh, being yeah. like William, William, William. So he so got that- a tuggy from a guy named William. Moving on. <laughs> William began telling William about how everyone has as William was tugging Williams. William. Williams tugging William. <laughs> Dude, we should fuck. We're both Williams. That's so kinky, bro. (laughs) (laughs) So he told Pelly about how everyone 
<clears throat> has lived hundreds of times before, and that Earth is a classroom where souls learn and move up in a spiritual hierarchy. Here's the kicker. This hierarchy explains race in the world. Mm. As so we're Pelly just higher levels. We're about to get really racist. I apologize no, to no, everyone. This rip the band not off. our views. And here's what clarifies two whites and a ginger talking, so. Yeah, well. <laughs> These are not our views. Well, okay. look, I'll race, hear him before I say whether or not it is. Race, according to Pelly, is, quote, great classifications of humanity, epitomizing gradations of spiritual development, starting with the black man and proceeding mm-hmm. upward in cycles to the white. Can he, does he break down the cycles? No, he, he. I mean, he starts to. This Where is just beginner Asians level. For me- rank with Mexicans, according. They're to somewhere in the cycle. I don't okay. know. Okay, I just want to know how how well thought out his. <laughs> he wanted gonna, to set the base first. We're going to learn too much da- about Dalton as he like tries to predict this going. I up. would like that would be a fun game. Try to predict how he ranks, <laughs> but not the do it on live recording. <laughs> just how does his racist stack yeah, up? No, I wouldn't be saying my views. I would say how would a guy like him think? Right. Anyways, so upon hearing these, quote, revelations, Pelly felt this blue mist wrap him up again, and he soon awakened back in his bungalow. William kept talking to William, though. William told William Dudley Pelly to relax and return himself to the, quote, higher reality, which he did, and then saw the marble slab again. Only there was more people this time. All of these people were recognizable as saintly individuals with no physical disfigurements. After talking to these individuals, Pelly again saw the blue mist and returned to his bedroom, but now possessed a strange power of perception. After this experience, Pelly abandoned screenwriting and switched back to short stories, but only as a means for money. Bill Pelly had a new passion spiritual affairs, and politics. Yeah. He saw Hollywood as a dead end. Bill went back to New York, but on his way there, on a train in New Mexico, he had another experience. A brilliant shaft of light poured down on Bill, and a disembodied presence told him that Jesus Christ was an actual person, but existing churches were not only wrong about his teachings, but were leading millions down the wrong path. This presence told Pelly to begin using his, quote, hidden powers to spread the real message of Christ. Yes. Once Pelly got to New York, he went to his friend and colleague, Mary De, De Ryu. I'm going to guess that's how you say De Ryu. it. De Ryu. De Ryu. De Ryu. She is a fiction editor for the American Magazine and chairman of the Publications Committee of the American Society for Cyclical Research. What kind of research? Psychical? Psychical. Psychical. Okay. Yeah, I, psychical. I, I think the Discord out it sounded like you went click, click, click. Oh, psychical. I, psychical. I am in charge psychical. of the research facility... For tricycle research. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, Mary was already quite contrary 
as she jumped over her was Mary. And said hello to Larry. And he was quite scary. His friends called him a fairy. But he didn't know that he was quite contrary. I, I don't know. I'm going to end can't it here. continue. So, <laughs> I can't think of another one. Mary de Rieu was already steeped in ideas of spiritualism and the occult herself. I mean, clearly. Mm-hmm. She jumped on the opportunity to see William Dudley Pelly in action. These quote-unquote beings from this higher reality told Pelly of the music of the spheres concept. Oh my god. Are you Lord. familiar? Anybody no. familiar? We're talking like an Ori or like So the music of the spheres concept is they well the beings told him this is the center of universal creation. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the music of the spheres is a concept originating These are like Donovan lyrics. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm very unfamiliar okay. with Donovan. Well, <laughs> I can't do it then. <laughs> He would he would say something like listen to the music of the spheres. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, makes sense. So, music of the spheres is a concept originating in ancient Greece that sees the movements of celestial bodies such as sun, moon, things like that mm-hmm. as a form of music. This music could be heard by the soul, not by the ears. The universe only houses love. Mhm. Hatred and evil are simply an absence of love. These beings that Peli saw live in this place called the Harmonious Plain, which is a level just above Earth, and handpick certain Earth dwellers, souls, to promote love and harmony. Again, this is the guy who's been going off about Pollocks and Jewish corruption. Mm-hmm. But he's but he's all right with the West of the universe being all up in his junk bin. He's all about love. This universe this houses love, you Pollock piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. So Pelly took center stage in many of these messages at the time. Which, by the way, he was getting these messages by doing automatic writing. Oh. He's just sitting down and just uh, you yeah. know just writing everything that's. You know, Did I write that? I don't recall. You see, I've been yeah. automatic writing. It's a. This is kind of like the writing version of Edgar Cayce's. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, higher I, self, I send texts uh, you know. while drunk as well, dude. I don't consider it like an art. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's just a pastime for me. He's just drunk texting him and like, it's a lifestyle. Wanna... Yeah. Well, I'm glad you call it an art form, actually, Dalton. Because no, lifestyle Pelly... is good for Dalton. <laughs> oh, that's my new Here's phrase. Why... It's a lifestyle. Okay, I have it's to say that lifestyles. once a show. No, Dalton. Dalton is an art. I'm a lifestyle. So it's just kind of what it is. <laughs> well, Pelly took, like I said, center stage. Many of these messages. He had been chosen because. Art is, quote, the handmaiden of God. And artists like himself are the true chosen priesthood of the world. Mm -hmm. It was his connection to Mary de Rieu that got Pelly his biggest audience to date and put him on the spiritual map. Yeah. Pelly published an article for the American magazine titled, Seven minutes in eternity. Oh my god. It wasn't seven minutes in heaven. So he described his experience in full, but his description of this experience was only written in two hours. Well, yeah. Like, when it's from the heart. Writing. Yeah. This quickly became his most successful work 
because the American magazine, by the way, is had a readership around two million at this time. Wow! So it's significant exposure, and it was on the front cover. It was the cover story for the this issue of the American magazine. It put him squarely on the map. So what was the headline? Like, man claims no Jews in heaven, or like, how did they advertise? They it didn't in. It, his story here didn't mention anything like that. It was oh. actually, he was saying like that he used to harbor some hatred and things. And now he has come out on the other side of this as like a, just a loving, caring yeah. individual. Hey, that, that was, that was the old me, dude. You know what yeah. they say? He's going for a kind of thing. If you like can't that. take me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best boy. <laughs> well, he also. Hey, only God can judge this. All right. There it is. Well, this time, though, too, describing his experience, it made him a minor celebrity. No. And um, he was facing an odd conundrum, though, after this, because he was done with, you know, Jewish Hollywood, as he called it. (laughs) And he was also now being shunned by publishers for his newfound religious hogwash. Mm hmm. Because really, the thing is with this whole story is that it is actually kind of the first like mainstream what you would story of what you would call a near death experience. That's kind of how they phrased it was a near death experience, and it's like the first instance in American mainstream. I that would that have thought that would have been that there. seems like something that would have been happening for like ever. No, I mean at least not in America. That's weird, and especially not in the mainstream. Yeah, because this is the American magazine, right? So, Pelly, though, made several attempts at stories, which was essentially still set in Paris, Vermont, (laughs) and his whole New England thing, but now they would just have these strange, incomprehensible religious babble. Nice. That no one was like, what is any of this? He actually had one story that even this biographer that I read, um, because I've been reading a biography about William Dudley Pelly, and uh, it's by Scott Beekman, I believe. Beaker. The name. So he actually, which I've never seen a biographer actually do this. He just straight up calls this one story of his at this time frame just god awful. <laughs> he says this story is absolute nonsense because it's his typical just like ho hum, idealized New England lifestyle of the community coming together and all this stuff. And then at the end, there's like the last 150 pages is just religious nonsense. Oh, that's awesome. It makes no sense. So Pelly though took a route that he seemed destined for from the beginning. He made an entirely new publication of his own, which he titled The New Liberator. Yes. Pelly wrote all of the stories in this magazine, aside from his one writer. You have one writer. His son. His friend, Margaret Christie, who he called a, quote, big-bodied, athletic, go-getting spinster. Yeah, we need a fat bitch on staff. Oh, God. That's when roller derby, like, refrigerator-sized women. Be oh, like, my. Bang. Family. One of them Jim Groceries. That, that song he talked Jim, about. Jim, Jim Groceries. <laughs> Jim Groceries? Did I say Grocery? Gro- Jim Groceries. He's hungry. Oh, that's hilarious. I like Jim Groceries. Just, just, for, just for reference, you can't, there's no Paris, Vermont when you, like, look at it now. Yeah, it's a fictionalized town. He told oh, it is? That. Yeah. Oh, I'm sitting here fucking Google Earth. That's and why it's, no, it's a That's rip-off. why he's the Faulkner. That's why he's the yeah, Faulkner. that's why he's a ripoff. Faulkner made up a county in Mississippi. Oh, now I feel like that all the stories take place in. He, if he hadn't done that, this guy would have just called it by an actual town. Yeah, probably. 
So that was a by really dumb way to say that, but all right. No, so uh, no, 19... I'm reiterating the fact now, so it's all right. I'm the one that so, looks like a doofus, not you. True. By 1930, Pelly was making money off of lectures. He was going on a speaking tour mm-hmm. based around his newfound abilities. He claimed that his messages, which uh, were, again, automatic writing, were given to him sometimes backwards and also sometimes in Sanskrit. Oh, uh, hell yeah. What? He also went a bit Edgar Casey here and claimed that he could tell facts about a person just by holding a personal item belonging to the said person. I can tell you all you need to know about yourself and your future if you let me hold your panties. <laughs> <laughs> very modern so his new magazine did not take off in the way that he expected it to in its first issue Pelly wrote about topics such as Russian atheism atheism so boring reincarnation which he's been a believer of since he was five remember Mm -hmm. and he wrote a lot about his own background yeah he also espoused his own interpretation of Christ's teachings. I'll get there. The next issue didn't come out, though, until October of 1930, despite being promised to come out in May of 1930. Oh. There's quite an yeah. issue there. You gotta keep so those changed. Indiegogo followers happy, Pelly. Well, here's where things changed. He got advertisements for his paper. These advertisements came in the form of organizations such as the Ancient Mystical Order Rosicrucians. <laughs> Rosicrucians. So the Rosicrucians got him. Psychiana. What was the second one? Sorry. Psychiana is a it's a whole new age thing made by Frank B. Robinson. But yeah, it's a whole thing. Frank B. Robinson, um, which he might we might get to him. Basically, both of these orders are male order religions. It's kind of how people thought. M-A-I-L order. <laughs> right? There you go. Yeah. So this did not look good for Pelly, as far as like public perception. Mm-hmm. Um, and people taking him seriously because neither of these organizations were taken seriously at all at this time. Edgar Casey was taken much more seriously than, all of, than any of these people at this point in time. Yeah. That's where we're at. And they had some financial issues, including his go-getting spinster. She embezzled some money, apparently. Anyways, I'm not going to get too heavy into that. Mm-hmm. Things changed as Pelly formed the League for the Liberation, which served as an umbrella for local organizations to kind of gather up and start to... Well, I'll just let him describe it. They saw themselves as a, quote, great Christ force, international oh. perhaps someday in scope, that should throw a stern gauntlet to the satanic influences now seeking the debauchment of our present civilizations. I just said, hey, Satan, we're going to throw the gauntlet down on you. The power of the Lord <laughs> coming up your ass, bitch. I don't like the word Christ force. Christ force. <laughs> Christ Force. <laughs> this Sunday on NBC. <laughs> well, they met on Sunday nights, and they had a... Uh, Sunday, pre- Sunday, Sunday. Sunday, 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 Christ Force. <laughs> they 
Worked with titles such as the New Sermons on the Mount. Lame. And they had 52 scripts, by the way. Because they were basically reading off of scripts that this guy was sending them. That Pelly kind of wrote. And it was a whole thing here. They projected uh, an entirely new religious philosophy of Christian mysticism raised to idea ideality but minus the hatreds, vengeances, and preposterous absurdities of the Jewish god of jealousy. You know, I see what he means. Maybe I, just don't I, include the Jewish word in there. I know what he means. Yeah. Take but... out the stories in which God is portrayed as, you know, not yeah, more I, malevolent might be a strong word. I just but... don't know, though, how he can say that this is minus hatreds. <laughs> well, yeah. Is all I'm saying. So the magazine eventually became a weekly thing, and they developed local chapters for the League. So this was all actually successful, and they developed these chapters all across the country, especially on the West Coast, where Pelly still had a lot of connections in California. And Pelly briefly moved to Washington, D.C. to set up a chapter there. But then he was completely gifted 300 acres of land in Asheville, North Carolina. Wow. 300 acres. That's by a, a wealthy for... mystic, by a wealthy mystic by the name of George Lillian Soros. Oh. Terry. Remember Lillian's this one lady that he went to San Francisco to see. There's no no way to know if there's the same Lillian, but one can theorize. They're different. I just love Lillian's. <laughs> There's Lillian in every town. So, you guys about ready to get really weird? I don't know, man. We're about to get really weird. I don't know. Okay. But before we get there, in 1932, Pelly founded his own college called Galahad College. This was essentially a place for Pelly to get money out of his followers. Yeah, um, right. All of the courses were based on his speaking engagements. He was the teacher. And that's it. The first class had 150 students, but hmm. Pelly quickly realized that this was going to get less and less each semester. So he decided to completely change course for the college and turned it into mail order degrees. Yeah. Which actually proved to be a very smart decision, and he made a lot of money off of this. He should have marketed it as the number one party college on the East Coast. Come to Galahad College Spring Break. Party with Pelly. Remember, though, this is right after... 1932 is actually right after Edgar Casey had his failed college. They all have failed colleges, I'm starting to see. Yeah. On the East Coast, yeah. too. So, Pelly's beliefs... Let's get into it, guys. Woo! This can't be <clears> that bad. It'll be normal, I think. So, his beliefs have are a combination of theosophy, Christianity, Rosicrucianism, and pyramidism among other things. Everything he wrote was based on things he learned from the, quote, masters. Pelly's system included the Christian God, but only as one God among many. He was always a he to Pelly, by the way. There was no, like, you know, just omnipotent presence. You know, it was always he. God in his mindset, was an ancient spirit that lived on a distant planet who formed our solar system. <laughs> Despite this, Pelly did heavily believe in Christ. 
to the point that he said that Jesus spoke to him directly. Jesus, he said, was pure spirit that was made manifest for the moment. The moment that, you know, he died on the cross. Pelly also gave a lot of credence to the New Testament, but he said that it was tainted by men. His beliefs around creation. I'm saying that's so far there's some it's not completely well let's see I mean the I might be wrong but weren't the Jews themselves not monotheistic like they were like there's other gods but this is the right God to look there's a whole debate about that okay that's just the way there's a a whole debate about that it's certain sex dude I seriously thought you you were heading into a racist joke John no I wasn't I'm literally asking questions the almighty dollar. <laughs> no! God damn it. Don't, you've read Snow Crash too. They talk about that same thing. So Yeah, but I don't know. Who knows what these wacky Jews are believing these days? I mean, who knows? What's the deal with them? Don't get us all in the troubles. <laughs> I should say here, rumors of confabulation. We love the Jewish people. Uh-huh. So... Woo, Hebrew. His beliefs. So his beliefs around creation. Yeah. It's a bit hard to follow, but I'm gonna. I gave him my best. Um, they are essentially. There are infinite gods and universes. Okay. Initially, life on each planet is vegetable, so nothing's kind of really moving, and there's just kind of like. It's just there. So how evolution started, it started as single still shit and then came into... Yeah, he's a, he's a proponent there. This was assisted, though, by the over-spirit, which is each region's god. So our region, our solar system, is the Christian god. Okay. Then lower animals, so everything that's not us, were developed with the assistance of group spirit. Okay, planets, planets eventually evolved human forms and ultimately purely spiritual beings. Okay, so Pelly's views on how human life on Earth began. A group of souls from the Sirius system. So that's right. We're talking Dogons again. Remember Canop the Dogons? Mm-hmm. Lizard? people yeah yeah remember so the serious system some souls migrated to earth 30 to 50 million years ago these quote star guests became animal forms such as the sphinx what the what why did this have to get crazy in this part Oh, it gets weird. I thought we were going to say this for part two or some shit, but he's like, no, we're going to drop this now because we got three parts to go. In. So we are boom. diving in. The Sphinx um, procreates, by the way, through thought. Uh, yeah. Panspermia gets a whole new different meaning. The, the Sphinx people weren't um, satisfied with this. I wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And they switched to ape like bodies? Yes. I want the real thing, honey. Here's We're like issue, animals though. in the bed. <laughs> By the way, this also really does, again, go right in line. Remember Edgar Casey had a whole thing of how these, uh, like there was angels or in Atlantis, mm-hmm. and then some of them broke off and they wanted to have sex. Mm-hmm. 
and they started having sex with like goats animals and things and they were like obsessed with it yeah. we getting back into the nephilim type stuff or we no yeah okay yeah similar but yeah remember edgar casey had a whole nephilim thing yeah, you know, yeah, all yeah, that yeah stuff. i feel yeah. like the time was before, the fallen angels things they want to come down just to procreate yeah so this is again very similar to that and so they um he says that they lost pelly says that they lost control over quote thought generation and they pr- procreated with actual apes Hell yeah. thus this created humans the missing link oh, pelly no, no, says no, 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 is no. not bigfoot but we are looking for a spiritual entity not a biological entity hmm. these star guests were also what the bible refers to as angels so yes in pelly's world angels are aliens yep so pelly also explained an evolution system <sighs> So this had three casts of mortal life on this planet. There was the beast progeny of the ape mothers. Oh, no, 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 no. Reincarnated spirits from the original Syrian migration. And finally, the goodly company. (laughs) The goodly company had 144,000 souls. I'm not sure why he got so specific with it, but 144,000 people living in the world today. They once followed the, quote, great avatar, which I suppose is God, here to promote his teachings and put humanity on the righteous path. Pelly also explained that the mark of the beast, which is described in the Bible, is a soul that continues toward a dark animalistic path throughout mm. reincarnation. Because, again, he sees reincarnation as you are born, you're giving chances to up your spiritual game. Yeah. And if you don't take those chances, then you go down a peg. Level up. So eventually, if you keep going up, if you keep leveling up, eventually you ascend into a master. Okay? Yeah. So, he also claimed that there's three planes in which a soul rests when not in a body. There's actually more than three. I don't know why he focused on three. He kept changing, by the way. His thoughts kept evolving. I guess the teachers kept teaching him. The masters kept teaching him. So one of these is purgatory. His version of purgatory is a dark place for vile people. (laughs) When you deal with a Ouija board or something similar to that, you are talking to someone that is in purgatory. This person or this soul should not be followed. Should not listen to them. They are leading you down a dark path because they have led a dark path. They don't know what they're talking about. Okay? So no Ouija boards. Well, yeah, you can ask them what not to do. Well, they'll tell you their own thing. Oh. Because they're dark, vile people. Oh, they would lie to you on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm surprised we've never done a Ouija board. You're glad you have? No, I'm surprised we've never done it just for shits and giggles. I want to talk to some of them. How'd you end up in purgatory? (laughs) Well, then there's a second plane. Slightly better than purgatory. Because purgatory is literally dark. This second plane has a little bit of light, dim light. And people are still kind of clueless there. Mm -hmm. But they might try to help you. I think what he's getting after here in the second is like some of the ghosts and things. And both purgatory and the second plane is like some ghosts you might see from these or like from these planes. I think is what he's getting after here. And they'll probably lead you astray just because they're kind of dumb, mm-hmm. is what he's getting after here. But not ill-meaning, it's, it's like being in Cincinnati. You know, it's fine, but <laughs> the natives are complete imbeciles, 
and you're just thinking of how to get out of there. Why are you attacking <laughs> Cincinnati? It's it's a medium place. If you want to pull a good good place reference in there, <laughs> it's, it's the medium place. Yeah. If you can't go to heaven or hell, you can at least go just to Cincinnati. Put me in Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> Love you, Cincy. So there is the purified version of Earth, which is the third plane. He calls it Summerland. What? So he's going into Asatru there and going into Norse mythology. Oh, there's a, I don't know. A lot of people call it Summerland. Apparently, he's not the first. So he says, though, that there are more spheres, and eventually you can ascend to the other ones. He believed that he saw a glimpse into the seventh sphere. Well, is what he show believed. off. So Pelly, if you couldn't tell, was also a believer in Atlantis and mm-hmm. Lumeria here on Earth. He believed in all of it. I love the way you all say it. All the stuff. You said Lumeria, like it's luminescent. Lumeria. Lumeria. I've always heard it as Lemuria. Lemuria? Like lemurs, Lemuria, because it goes from Madagascar Lemuria. up to India. Lemuria. So that was just my redneck take on it, so just go with it. <laughs> well, he believed that there was a great power in the pyramids, and that what could, one could develop important dates based around the measurements of them, because apparently the pyramid inch is different than the other inch, and there's a whole thing I couldn't exactly, I don't know if I couldn't wrap my brain around it or if I just didn't want to. Apparently, there's a way that you can come up with a bunch of dates, and apparently the Egyptians had it mapped out from like 2000 BC to like 2001 AD. So we were already past it, guys. We're 20 years past. Didn't we talk about Bible code last episode? Yeah. So it's I, it's not. I mean, but imagine Bible code, but with the Great Pyramid of Giza, which doesn't have any numbers oh. or letters, but it has inches. So. Anyways, it doesn't have numbers, but it has inches. Even though inches are numbers. So, woo. That's true. Okay, so there are numbers, I guess. But he claims that doing this analysis, that he actually came up with the date May 28th, 1928. The date of his first real experience. You know, when he saw the seven minutes in eternity. Mm -hmm. He also, later in life, realized that in another very important date to the pyramids... Is the day that Hitler took power in Germany. So Pelly believes, mostly, that they were living in the times of tribulation. And that Christ would be returning soon. The Antichrist was already here. Yep. His writings began to speak more and more and more of the sons of light versus the dark souls. And in his version of this battle, which again, Edgar Casey, among other people, have very similar battles taking place. His version, the Dark Souls, slowly but surely took on the image of the Jewish people. And this, my friends, mm-hmm. is where I'm going to leave us It was not tonight. a good creative decision for From Software to do character design like that, but, you know, <laughs> I can't tell them how to make their game. <laughs> I could never have predicted this is how we were going to end it, but fuck. So this does it for William Dudley Pelly, part one. Next time we will see the rise of his star-spangled fascism. Yeah. Now I I can see where you were teasing the silver shirts before. Yep. We're getting there. 
But yeah, it's going to be, um, the next one's going to be a doozy, a doozy. And don't think that his, um, the next stuff is all fascism and, uh, propaganda. We, I don't got think more it's going to be. Things. We've got more spiritual, he, he adapts his beliefs. Mm-hmm. That's um, all part of what Nazism was, man. You had that whole back end spiritualism on the back of you it. You got to have yeah. some cultural comment in there also. You know, that's just a part of it. You know, it's like well, on page two, why immigrants are killing the country. On page five, we review uh, Captain Marvel. <laughs> like, literally. It's kind of his style. I tried to literally, think of a more recent one, but that's the first movie I thought of. <laughs> so next time we will look into the silver shirts. Uh, we will look into Nazism in America. And we'll look into how William Dudley Pelly really, um, in my view has set the stage for all of the uh, modern fascists that we have today in America. So, yeah, huh. fun. And a lot of crazy views, too, in terms of spirituality. So, there's a lot. So, we've, just, lot. We, so we've just broke the ice, is what you're telling there's us. There's a lot. Oh, okay. And... The listeners can't see your face. You are fucking overjoyed. I'm beaming. I'm so happy to talk about all this nonsense. It's great. Um. Also... One of our next, uh, one of our other subjects in the um, fall uh, or spiritual fall is going to. Um, this is actually where about the point of time where they are uh, one of Pelly's uh, disciples, and this is about where they break off. Is at this point in time at uh. the end of part one here. So I'll uh, pick up there with that one, but that will come after. We got to finish up with William Dudley Pelly first, yeah. and then we'll get there. He to needs that his one. moment yeah. in the sun. I really want a bumper sticker just just says our spiritual fall hashtag rumors and fab. Like I want that now. We'll work on it. Our spiritual fall. <laughs> All lowercase, just no, that's pretty great. So oh, yeah, shit, go dude. follow us on Instagram, Rumors and Confab. Um, tell a friend. Hit us up. Yeah, tell a friend. To spread, spread the spread the news. Because we don't do news. shit, don't it? We need help with it, so. Spread the news. Everybody um, knows somebody, knows somebody, knows somebody. Yeah. Keep it going, if you everybody. love us so damn much, give us your fucking money. <laughs> give us Stop. the money or no more We're show. not doing that. We don't have no <laughs> Patreons or shit. We're doing this out uh, of kindness in our hearts. You want me to stop the, stop the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> no, Take no. down that goddamn Chan, no. ED page. <laughs> no, no, Christian, no. <laughs> Uh, Christian Weston Chandler. Take it down. Uh, take it down. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Peace, y'all. Uh, it's been good, guys. Have a good one.